Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Friday evening, it's 11 o'clock, and I am on a Chippendales Rescue Rangers high, so uh, nobody is going to be able to take that away from me. If you have Disney Plus and have any love of the cartoon or Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, do not watch this live. Go watch it and and watch the replay, because you got to see that goddamn movie, because it throws every joke in the world against the wall, and most of them stick. All right. So this tonight is uh, is brought to you. Explain yourself is brought to you by the uh, Chippendale uh, movie. Uh, if Disney would like to send money, that would be great. I do not think they will. Knowing Disney, Will Allred, how the hell are you this week? Uh, doing all right, but now knowing that Disney's involved, I expect us to get sued pretty soon. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, I just got it. My email just dinged. I do have a cease and desist. <laughs> I, I was saying good stuff. All right. Yeah. Uh, we have a panel of creators with awesome comics that I do not think will sue us for talking about them. And uh, we we have uh, Mariah Curry uh, with the, um, I, I just uh, called it adorably dirty, not safe for work, uh, usual haunts. And uh, we have Ray Garza and Mark Brunel from the, um, it's the lesser known comics um, batch Kickstarter. Uh, we usually do like a 30 second, uh, if you were at a con, if someone was walking past your booth, how would you uh, bring their attention to the book? Mariah, let's uh, <laughs> let's hear the usual haunts. We start at 11 o'clock at night. We don't assume any kids are <laughs> listening. And if you're on a podcast in the car, I would, uh, I would maybe turn it down because this is not safe for work and we can fucking swear, okay? <laughs> Yeah, well, um, so yeah, Usual Haunts is a not safe for work slice of like com comic about vampires. Um, specifically, it is about Matilde, who is a new vampire. She's spent the last 15 years trapped in like a murderous, like think um, Saturn eating his son kind of monster vampires dungeon. Now she's a vampire herself and she's free and she's uh, going out to figure out who she is and regain her bodily autonomy through sexy adventures. <laughs> Awesome. I can't wait to dive deeper into that. All right. So who wants to talk about lesser known comics? I know that there's a couple projects involved in it, but how I there's there's a point. So, Mark, I believe this is on you. Uh, how would you uh, get someone's attention in 30 seconds? 
so I'm just a guy who accidentally started a comic book company during quarantine. <laughs> uh, I started with making um, my own books and uh, was lucky enough to attract a bunch of amazing creators. Um, and the most recent one is Ray Garza. Uh, so we re actually released all our stuff in batches. So it's a bunch of new creators. And Tank McGregor is uh, our first graphic novel that we're starting in on the ground floor and um raise an amazing guy uh this book is if you like 80s 90s action or if you like anything that's sci-fi fantasy if you like dad jokes um ray can tell you all about this this awesome book i feel seen Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so i i'm wearing my hitchhiker shirt for you ray was that at all an inspiration on this sci-fi comedy action adventure piece you put together Oh yeah, I mean, even if it wasn't like a direct inspiration, for sure, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was always in the back of my head. I mean, there's a, a narrator um, pretty early on in the beginning of Tank McGregor, and while I wasn't even thinking about Hitchhiker's Guide, now that you mention it, it is pretty much the Hitchhiker's Guide narrator uh, telling you about this universe. <laughs> it's it was certainly tongue-in-cheek narration. It was uh, uh, it, it it had that feel. It had that flavor. Well, mm -hmm. we um, we had um, another person who may show up, uh, Jeff Carroll, who's a good buddy of mine from down here, and he does the Planet Alkibulion uh, book. He may come in. Uh, you know, it's Friday night. He might uh, he might have uh, gone out to dinner with his family. So if he shows up, we're going to bring him in, and if not, we'll uh, we'll just uh, say thanks for scheduling, Jeff, and uh, let's dive right in. Um, I started with Mariah, so let's let's uh, go to the uh, lesser known comics batch first, since you guys got to go second. Um, what are the other books that are part of this batch, Mark? So uh, we have a lot of um, you know our big thing is is there are a lot of first time creators that we work with um, and. Uh, so everything that we do because everyone's so you know new to the scene is you know we we this is batch four um so we try and group all our books in batches so that we kind of have that power of of um or strength in numbers right uh so in addition to the tank mcgregor book um we have uh stuff that i write um with a, a good um uh, buddy uh, Karen Quinn is uh, illustrating so these are like shorter mini comics uh death wish it's it's um uh, so we kind of think of it as like, hey, we want a headliner, like, you know, Tank McGregor on the campaign. But um, if you want to get some additional mini comics with some awesome creators, um, when I say mini, they're they're shorter, right? Like anywhere between, you know, uh, you know, uh, eight to 16 pages or something like that. And then Goodnight is um, one of the uh, illustrators that was doing some of my books. He said, I want to make something kind of weird. It's hard to explain. Um, read it and tell me if you like it. And we have a running joke in lesser known comics that it's, it, it'll get you, scare you at the end. And one of our other creators like slept with the lights on for like two weeks after. Uh, he's like, thanks Franco. Um, I, yeah, I, I messed up, I read that today. So I haven't tried to sleep yet. So I apologize. I, I won't until until we uh, end the show, I won't know if it, uh, it affects my sleep schedule, but I will say, yes, it is shocking. It's very hard to have a uh, jump scare in comics and that, co that comic actually succeeds. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, Franco, um, he's uh, from Argentina and he, we were, uh, he had shared with me that um, he got in trouble when he was in Catholic school as a kid, you know, for what he was illustrating. Like his, his, uh, his teachers were like, hey, your kid might have some problems, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> his illustrating is deeply disturbing. Uh, <laughs> so you've got, th you know, one, one large uh, trade paperback and then two short comics coming out. Is that what I'm? Yeah, so you can get uh you know either the, the the graphic novel on its own or or you can get it like in the bundle which um what we try and do with our batches is you know make it so we're curating you know like a collection of some indie comics and um and then the stuff from our previous batches we have like in additional tiers if you want to collect all the minis or collect all the rest of the graphic novels that we have or if you want to go into the add-ons and just you know pixie choosy you know some of the additional uh stuff um uh you know that we have in the catalog I, I can't believe it's only been a year and there's like 14 or, you know, some, I think it's 14 books, um, wow. three graphic novels, uh, uh, full, a couple full lengths, and then um, like a collection of all these minis. We've used the minis as like a way to um, uh, just test working, you know, because I'm, I'm so new to the industry, right? So like, um, just working with an illustrator and them having to like deal with my like neurotic tendencies of being like, you know, um, Cause I don't even know, like, right. I'm like, am I handing you a good script? Am I handing you like something, you know, that that's like, you know, tedious to work on. Uh, so we typically do these like short comics and we're like, Hey, we like working together. So let's just keep making longer and longer stuff. Um, right. And that stuff will all be forthcoming in batch five, six and beyond. We'll be doing uh, launches at least every, I think eight weeks or so is what we're, we're shooting for. So we're, we're plotted out through um, 2023. We got nice. a way longer list than, I had anticipated and my wife just looks at me like she agreed that I could make a book. It got away from me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but you're you but you're giving people their first shot to get a book out. That's mm -hmm. um has to be fulfilling just in and of that self, but um to give books that have a little different uniqueness and flair, you know, like you know, like death, death wish and, and, um, you know, good night. Like, yeah, like that, I could definitely see either one of those landing in anthologies, but being able to put them out on their own is something nice that you're giving people death wish. You're giving it to yourself, but yeah. still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and we're, uh, our ambition is to just be an incubator, right? Like uh, Ray's book is insanely cool, insanely good. He's, he's a super talented writer, super talented illustrator. Um, I fully suspect, you know, somebody is going to give him an awesome deal, you know, at some point, and we're going to be like, fly away, baby bird. You yeah. know, and, <laughs> you know, we just want him to have yeah. an experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to do that. <laughs> I, 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 we want that when we and then when he has like some other crazy adventure he wants to work on you know he could work on it with lkc we want uh, right. to be a place where people go hey i want you know i want to try something weird or new or you know just something that's uh, kind of in a low pressure environment nice well ray how did you hear about lesser known comics and how did you make the decision that that was uh a nice you know we'll do the baby bird reference a nice nest for your baby <laughs> 
Um, it was really completely by accident, uh, which is, I guess serendipitous because it was created by accident. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I was just uh, once I completed my uh, comic Tank McGregor, I started putting it out there as much as I could. I started taking it to comic shops and online. I started just kind of like posting my art. And the more I posted my art, the more I would get the algorithm would give me stuff from like publishers and uh, the other comic book artists. And one of the things that came up on my Instagram was a, a, an ad from, it wasn't really an ad from lesser known comics. It was just a posting that said, uh, you know, lesser known comics treating artists like humans since 2020. And I just <laughs> thought that was, yeah, I just thought that was really cool. And I like looked them up and I dug their uh, like mission statement. So then I reached out and I, I heard nothing from anyone. So I was like, okay, well, a long shot and then like a few weeks later it popped up again so i like went to the website saw their crew i saw who the top guy was like mark and i'm like all right i'm gonna mail email this guy uh -huh. and i just emailed him and i was like hey what do i have to do to get my book in your hands and like <laughs> within the week we were just talking on the phone and uh uh we're just shooting the shit for about an hour and just talking about his company and uh my book and by the end of it he, uh, he offered to put it on the catalog and i was stoked that's awesome. What you didn't realize is they've been treating artists like humans since 2020. They've been in business since 2017. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were three, there were three years. <laughs> well, I got in right on time then. Yeah. yeah. This, this the uprising the happened in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> he, had to <laughs> he had to get rid of all the child labor. All that yeah. Guy. So did you do all of Tank McGregor like on your own? You just beginning to end, I'll find a home for it when it's finished? Uh, yeah, the one thing I didn't do was the coloring. Um, I'm not a very strong colorist by my own admission. Um, I mean, my own opinion. I, I can color, but I just, once I started coloring what I had, I didn't think I was doing it justice. So I decided to uh, seek out and outsource other artists to like help me color it. I found someone and he was the perfect, Michael Woods is his name. He was the perfect colorist and uh, he basically brought the book to life. Um, okay, I was gonna, I was gonna say, it, this is beautifully colored, but okay, you're given, you're given your color sprouts, that's fine. I had such a, a, a Moebius uh, feel to, to reading this. Thank the colorist you. is wonderful. Yeah, man. Thank Mobius is uh, one of the biggest inspirations for the uh, the art for sure, and it's actually incredibly flattering. Um, aside from that, yeah, the writing, the pencils, the inks, uh, the letters, everything else was uh, me. I even like designed the logo for it. Um, I pretty much did absolutely everything, and it wasn't until page seventy or seventy five where I realized I probably have something here that I could finish and, and maybe not mark it, but I could at least hold in my hand. Um, I never expected it to go out beyond my friends and family. I was basically just making something that I can make my brother laugh with or my, my friends laugh with, you know, um, I, I never you know, just thought that people that I didn't know were reading it and that I was going to be on a podcast, to be honest. I mean, that's really, really cool. Well, explain yourself really is the peak of comic creation. It's yeah. all downhill from here, buddy. I, 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 I turned down Joe Rogan to be on this today. That's <laughs> yeah. just showing good taste. <laughs> uh, oh, and I, I think we forgot to mention the explain yourself bump, right? Yes. You, 
Uh, I'll, I'll let you explain that, Kevin. Well, we we do take credit for every single backer on every campaign from the, from now until you close. Now, we don't ask for any money or a percentage or anything like that. We but we do credit. take credit for everybody. We might get you three backers. We're taking credit for the next 200. Yeah, exactly. So you know. <laughs> totally fair. Yeah. Matt says this is explain yourself. Oh, explain yourself is the best show. Well, you know what? Now that you're here in the comments, it might be. So yeah. Matt is still doing great with their sacrimony. We're going to talk about that at the end because it's still running. Uh, and uh, I did want to ask about Tank McGregor. It's a finite trait paperback graphic novel, but is uh, without spoiling anything, is there any room for further tank tales or is this a one and done? No, absolutely. I mean, uh, it was uh, designed and written to be a standoff, stand alone adventure, but um, there's already a book two in the works and uh, Tank and Jensen are back. And whilst the adventure is completely different and the outside characters beyond their little spaceship is completely different. Um, I mean, are completely different. They themselves are still the same characters and they're going through the same relationship. And I'm answering and exploring further some of the things that I hinted at in the first book. Uh, some stuff that they go through that I don't really like answer. And people, a lot of people are like, why does he wear wigs? Who, who is Jensen? What, what's going on? That I, I get a little bit further in. There is a master plan. I do get a little bit further into it. And I just kind of like pepper it here and there until eventually I uh, reveal it all and finish that arc, um, the Tech McGregor and Jensen arc. And after that, I have no more stories, but I don't know how long that arc is going to take. It could be three books. It could be four books. Okay. That's cool. very cool. So this could be kind of your 007. You could go go back in different adventures as, as often as you like and as often as like you know, the muse hits you. And recast Tank every single four issues or whatever. So, <laughs> Probably. Might as well. Yeah, yeah, might as well. <laughs> sure. Yeah, totally. Well, I saw it more as my Hellboy, honestly. Like okay. uh, I, I saw the way uh, Mike Mignola does Hellboy and he's a huge... Uh, in terms of comic books, he is one of my heroes. Um, and just the way he treated that character and the way those books are structured is very much the way I'm sort of basing myself on. You know, he does go on different adventures and um, sometimes he spins off into different books. And But always, even though they're, they're, the adventures are different, he had that same arc, that same through line of being like the bringer of the apocalypse and mm -hmm. they it's resolved all the way to Hellboy in Hell and all that stuff. No, that's not that is not a bad creator to uh, use as as a, an inspiration. Well, how about um, Death Wish? Is this a story that could continue, or is this a, a one and done, Mark? Uh, so yeah, it started out. Um, so we have two types of things in lesser known comics. We have like the lesser known universe, where it's all based on the stuff that I'm writing. Um, and uh, the other part is like creator own stuff where, you know, it's it's not happening within that universe. But we still do like little Easter eggs. Like I fully plan to have like a movie marquee for like Tank McGregor 8, you know, or whatever, you know, in the background. Um, and uh, so Death Wish 2 is um, penciled and partially inked. Um, so uh, and then it goes, you know, this this one's short. Um, so then the next one, you know, Death Wish 2 will be, you know, full length 22. 22 pages or, or, or more. And then, um, uh, 
it ties into uh, the, this main character here, Danny. Uh, she's our she's our Wolverine of our universe. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, Wolverine was the best at what he did, right? And um, uh, Danny is somebody who came across the practice of witchcraft and um, takes shortcuts. Like if any of us, right? We got we got access to like spell books and stuff, like maybe we wouldn't read the fine print you know maybe right. we would make some piss poor decisions you know and if you get yourself immortal you know after decades and decades you know those piss poor decisions will come back to haunt you and your sidekicks you know <laughs> who are like what why are these people trying to kill us and why you know is there monsters and things and all the stuff that, that's coming after us um but yeah she's lived a, a bunch of different lifetimes and death wish is just a snippet as to her time as a demolition derby race car driver in this wacky you know race league that um will tie into a whole underground of illegal gambling and you know all sorts of you know crazy stuff uh any any uh roger corman death race 2000 inspirations in this i i had a i had a feel of that although not I know it's not exactly because it, it's no well yeah I don't want to ruin anything but I I had a feel of a Roger a Roger Corman feel to that that particular one and I say that with as a positive not a negative <laughs> Roger Corman is like I love it. I just watched Boxcar Bertha which was uh it's Scorsese before he had any cloud or money <laughs> And it's just chaos from beginning to end. And it's so much fun to watch. But uh... yeah, you know, this story was kind of uh, came out of. Uh, so Kieran had been working primarily on a different comic that was very serious. It was very like gritty, you know, uh, crime noir. And I was looking at his Instagram and he had a bunch of wacky stuff like a mummy wearing boxer shorts or this mm -hmm. like army guy that had a turtle for a helmet. And I was like we should just do something where we use a lot of the marvel method and you can just put whatever wacky stuff you want in there and we landed on that you know there's um uh like all the racers like outside of the main characters that he's coming up with those you know him, himself and what's fun for me as a writer is like i see like well who's this dude that you put in here who's this chick like how like now i gotta put them in issue like you know three four and like write them into the story and stuff like that so um and he's he's just a really easygoing guy that you know um some people i work with get full scripts with panels and stuff like that some people like kieran just get like a string of incoherent text messages that uh -huh. is like now go <laughs> you know uh, and he he's, he's he's done a tremendous job with that so without spoiling, um, was the one racer who might stand out to a reader a surprise to you? Uh, are we talking about the Russian-speaking uh, <laughs> Yeah, the monkey. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't want to spoil it, but if you want to, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, one of the racers is a goddamn monkey. Was that a surprise to you, or were you part of that uh, from the inception? What's happened in Death Wish is one of the ones where uh, we've actually brought in co-writers um, because um, it's just a fun sandbox for other people to play. And so there's a hosts of uh, another podcast called uh, Apollo City Comics. And um, one of them uh, took on the thing and he said, OK, well, you know, like, how, you know, he started building out that that backstory for the for the 
to the chimp or monkey or, or, or whatever we haven't fully, you know, decided. Um, and I have lost control of this story. Uh, and I'm so excited for where they're like taking it, you know, cause it's, you don't get a lot of times where there's like a writer's room, right? Like it's typically, you know, but, um, because we opened it up as like a, a place for everybody to kind of play and contribute, um, you get on a call or you get on a thing or you're on a text message chain and you get some, well, what if, and I was like, that's way better than where I was going. Like, let's, let's do that now. <laughs> Yeah, you you guys remind me of what John Westoff does with part-time comics. It just feels like you guys are in it for the love of the game. You're giving people a shot to do whatever they find fun, and you're giving it a home, and I respect the shit out of that. That's really cool. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, well... We can get back to that, but I want to make sure that uh, Mariah gets her her time to well, not in the sun because it's a vampire, but yeah. her her her, her time in the very bright moonlight. Yes, so I'll pull up the the page, and uh, uh, if anybody just came in, uh, start telling us about haunted. I'm sorry, usual haunts again. Oh, you, got, you cut out a little bit there, but I think you're asking me to just tell you a little bit about usual haunts. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I apologize. I, I I didn't even know that I went out, but yes. Okay, so yeah, um, it's about vampires smooching on each other. <laughs> um, oh, where to start? So, I guess as a little bit of context, this is also like a series that I didn't mean to make. Um, it just started as kind of like a way for me to decompress and like draw whatever I wanted for myself while working on my other comic. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just kind of like kept getting more and more into it. And I was like, I'm making full comic pages now. Maybe I should like see if anybody besides just my weird friends like this. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, just kind of a fun, sexy romp. It's about Matilde who, um, like, I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted by the scroll of my own. <laughs> um, let, me, let me just stay on the sexy image and let and, and okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's about Matilde, who's like a short little goblin of a lady, um, who's like very rightfully angry about the shitty hand that life is life dealt her and then saddled her with unlife. So she essentially has like this bucket list of things that she missed out on from when she was human that she wants to do. And like at the top of the list was like get laid. The second huh. thing was play Kingdom Hearts 4, but she got escaped from the dungeon like one year before it came out. So she can't even do that one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, the uh, main guy, at least for the first first part of the story is Norman, who is inspired by like every like sleazy dude trope like Miami heat and like Las Vegas and he's just like a nasty man with a venom tongue <laughs> yeah. and they and in the pages you said they they're they do get um down and dirty I noticed you said it was 18 plus no this is not a yeah. This is not just a little TNA that you you, you go there, which is <laughs> I, I love it. You know, I I, yeah. I I love the fact that it's very um unique and and it just feels 
it feels organic to the story you're telling it. Like this is, this is what she wants to do and, and we're going to go for it. Um, yeah. Was yeah, there any trepidation or were you just like, F it, I, I like it? I mean, so I've been um, reading, like I, I've read a lot of like erotic comics for most of my adulthood. Like I, I really like Iron Circus, Smut Peddler stuff. And there's other erotic stuff too that I've read. Like there's a lot of really cool people just publishing online. Um, but yeah, so I've been reading the stuff and uh, like... I had, I feel like most uh, like female identifying young people in the 2000s, like it wasn't necessarily okay for you to like draw smooching. Like there's the whole scene in Turning Red, if any of you have seen that, which is like the main character under her bed, like drawing herself smooching a mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I feel like um, a lot of this was really like about me becoming comfortable with like my own sexuality and like drawing the things that I like and really focusing on um, like showcasing like female centric erotic stuff. Um, because like I, so much of like, like real life porn, which I don't like, <laughs> I don't like watching real humans, <laughs> just like looking at pictures. Um, but it's, it's weird and not realistic and like doesn't have bodies that look like mine. So I wanted to, make something that I wanted to see, essentially. <laughs> well, uh, Mata says, as one of Mariah's weird friends, she approves of this comic, so. Yeah, <laughs> M's been like a super, a super great beta reader for this. <laughs> yeah. And the Mariah fan club is here. Well, welcome, Tate. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it's, it, it just feels very authentic. It just feels authentic to the story you want to tell and that you, it just jumps on the page that, <laughs> you know, it's unique and this is just what you wanted to do. And I, mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, this is as of right now, a, a digital first Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I made this Kickstarter kind of as like a test drive to see if I could get people to pledge to give me money before I'd actually release something into the wild. Um, I've made like a webcomic series called Rainy Day Dreams for the past eight years. And I had kind of come at that one, that one with like the sort of, sort of um, I feel like it's a pretty standard mindset for making comics of like, I'll make this comic, I'll put it online and then like the audience will come to me and then they'll want to support me. But it's, I mean, at least for me, it hasn't really worked out that way. So I was like, maybe a new approach, see if this works. Um, I do have a stretch goal now for doing a physical print run because there has been interest in that. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to see if it would work out with completely digital first. Cool. Um, and that, but you, but you've made your goal, correct? I, yes, I have. Yes. So, so you're, you're in the clear, you got people to <laughs> yeah. pay for your art. That has to feel pretty incredible, right? Yeah. It like, <laughs> honestly, I still can't believe it. Most of the time, like the first day of the campaign was just, it was wild. Like it, it was funded in an hour, which I, I very much the night before it's like, I'm going to get maybe $20. <laughs> like nobody's gonna, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. And then like the next day I got the, the special magic, project we love gift from kickstarter it was like oh, oh beautiful uh -huh. <laughs> that's great yeah the, the magic and totally nobody <laughs> knows how or why they come but it is nice <laughs> if and when they do it's beautiful yeah so how what uh what's your 
kind of work process look like? I mean, you know, Kevin and I are writers, so, mm -hmm. you know, we have, we write stuff down and then we send it out into the ether and hope an artist draws it for us. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's writer Mariah and then mm -hmm. there's artist Mariah. Do they get along? Do they fight? I mean, how does that work? <laughs> um, I think the like the main time when they don't get along is when I'm actually going to letter a page and I find out that I've been way too wordy with my with my text. <laughs> I tend to kind of be a little bit wordy <laughs> with my dialogue. Um, but yeah, I mean, besides that, I um, I'm a really, I guess, kind of visual first storyteller. Like I just kind of see the action happening in my head and then I kind of make thumbnails out of that and like type out the script and it yeah it it's so strange to me like how many people within the comic like making world don't do both like that's <laughs> i mean i get that it's two separate skills and maybe it would be better to just focus on one but like yeah no if you have both skills it's perfectly fine yeah. if you're like will and i they're one of those <laughs> skills is non-existent you know yeah well, yeah, but, I remember um, like up until like third grade, I was like, I'm going to be a novelist. But then in like third grade was when the big manga boom of the 2000s happened. And I was like, I could draw my characters at the same time as writing them. I'm going to do that. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. Ray, it, what is your what is your um, creation like? We should have asked you because you did. You do both as well. Uh, my process is non-existent. <laughs> uh, it's weird. The first book I did, uh, Tank McGregor, it was, I, I had just written 15 pages of dialogue, no action, no direction, no nothing. It was just dialogue, just characters going, nah, 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 nah. and then I forgot about it for about a year. And then when I found it again, I thought this could be a cool thing to draw. And I just started putting drawings to the, to the dialogue, to the words. And so basically I did the writing first, but like very, very basic. And then I just started like fleshing it out in sequential art. Um, book two, which I'm like uh, 80, 90 pages in, I sort of did backwards. I had the image in my head. I had a few images in my head that I just wanted to draw. And then I started drawing them. And then out of that, I started formulating a story. So I've been sort of doing it back and forth to where I'll be drawing and then I'll go to my pages and just kind of like, write three more pages and then go back and then just draw those pages and just back and forth, not really having a, a, a clear end game. Now I do have, I, I know how it's going to end, but when I first started, it was so chaotic and I vowed never to do it that way again. Cause it was, well, it really was kind of like a really bad way to do it. I wasn't, I was writing it, drawing it without a full script. You know, I didn't know. I just had scenes in my head and I had, um, these showcasing action scenes, but I didn't know how they all tied together. And I had a whole bunch of jokes I wanted to do. And I had like a, a race of people and a, a, a character I wanted to do, but I, nothing was coalescing. And at one point I had to just stop and I printed out everything I had and I put it on my wall, on a giant wall I have and just kind of pasted everything together. And then like, once I like stepped back and saw everything I had, then I started like, okay, this could go here, nah, 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 here. And if I add a scene here and like fill out this over here, then I have a nice little through line. And that just leaves me with this much to go for this end. And once I have that, okay, I calmed down a little bit and now I'm like doing a little more structured. But um, but yeah, like it's, I have no set process yet. I'll let you no, know when I have it. 
you're you're finding it. You're finding it. Yeah. yeah. Um, for for finding the entire through line of usual haunts, Mariah. It mm -hmm. this this says number one specifically, so that tells me this yeah. is not a one and done. Um, how long is this envisioned to go? Is this so currently my plan is to do three volumes worth and each volume being about five chapters. I've also like definitely got little like bonus side stories and stuff that I'm kind of hoping I might get to do with like stretch goals and stuff in the future, but mm -hmm. we'll see. But yeah. Now is one chapter, one comic? One chapter is like uh, one issue. Oh, so okay. each volume would be five issues. All right. So about 15 issues would tell the yeah. entire story. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have that entirely mapped out and organized or is it like maybe in the middle she could do this and maybe in the middle she could do that? I have it um, pretty organized. Like, <laughs> so I have kind of, uh, I have these statements for each volume. The first volume is um, she, Matilda's going to fuck around and find out. <laughs> and the, uh, second volume is that like she has fucked around What's she going to do now? And the last one is she finds out. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I um, I guess kind of how I, for like a little bit of a previous backstory, these characters um, originally started as tabletop NPCs. So like I was running a Vampire the Requiem, Requiem game for my friends like back in 2019. Um, and I got way too invested in the NPCs and I started like thinking about what they were doing off screen while the player characters were saving the world. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer was having sex. <laughs> but yeah, so um, the story like very roughly follows like it, the story is not about what the player characters got up to, but like that stuff is happening in the background, which I also thought would be kind of fun of just like, here are these like people going about their mundane lives where they're like brothers like fighting owl demons. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, Tate asks if is there gonna be a beach episode? There could be a beach episode. The um fictional town that it takes place in is called Leland. Uh, and originally in the tabletop game that was in Maine. Um, I'm not gonna necessarily say that it's in Maine with terrible rocky beaches, but <laughs> It might be. <laughs> Maybe. No, that's that's really cool. Um, so we know that there's plenty of sex. Is there um, <laughs> erotic action to be looked for, or is it more of the psychological uh, growth in characters that you're looking to um, kind of delve into? Yeah. So I um, I pretty much like the thing that I like to write about most is relationships. So really it's about like the inner growth of the characters and their relationships with each other outside of like any of the erotic stuff and also with like their family members too. So there are like safer work sections. I've been thinking about whether or not I might release like a public safer work version. I feel like that would be kind of a disservice to the story because like the sex is plot. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, like there's uh, like some other side characters that I really love. Like, for example, Jamie, who is Matilde's best friend. And like, I spend a lot of time with them talking about stuff and just like being best friends. Um, there is a, I haven't like done an official like character presentation update about her, but uh, if you go on my campaign page, the uh, 
artwork that I have for the full body uh, character commissions, that's a picture of Jamie. So you can see. Okay. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Well, all right. We've gone through both campaigns. Um, let's, let's talk the business of crowdfunding. Now, I think this is your second campaign I saw. Yeah. Myself. Uh, and lesser known comics. Is this the fourth? campaign you've run or how many have you run uh yeah uh three we we helped run the digital lizards of doom campaign that was a book that was already on their third book when they started publishing with us um mm -hmm. so um uh yeah so i still feel like four seems like a lot of campaigns to run you know i guess but it still feels like i have no idea what i'm doing like you know for everyone who's like Googled on day six of their campaign, like how to run a Kickstarter, you know, <laughs> like, I definitely can empathize. What was the uh, biggest learning curve of your first campaigns, either, either Mark or Mariah? I would say, you know, um, I, I, to what, I think what Mariah is doing is super, super smart to start with, digital and then you know like branch out from there because we certainly made the mistake of trying to do too much too fast you know and you're just like well everyone else does it right like how hard could it be right and then you find out that you know just little things like um you know just adding a variant cover and stuff like that can become incredibly complicated um and then also you know um uh, you offer stretch goals and things like that, you know, cause that's what people want. And then you go, Oh, that's more complicated than I thought, <laughs> you know? And, um, so we've actually like started to like simplify, you know, and really said, okay, we're shipping a book. What fits in the footprint of that book <laughs> that we can also <laughs> add that's made of paper that can be sourced from our printer, you know, that's like, um, mm -hmm. because it, yeah, don't get away from you. It's it's mm -hmm. it's super it, it's super complicated and it, and it gets complicated fast. Um, and you don't want to disappoint your backers, right? So you 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 it's there's a very easy temptation to be like, sure, yeah, we can do that, right? And then you know, next thing you know, you're just like, and I have a graphic design. We have a graphic designer named Jackie, um, and uh, it can be a bad meeting when she's like what did you just sign me up for? Like, <laughs> that seems simple to you. <laughs> now let me reveal all the work you've just put on my plate. And I was like, uh. Well, yeah, Mariah, what about you? I mean, this is your second one. So what's, what have you come to see in, uh, you know, crowdfunding that maybe you didn't, didn't know before? And was your first mm -hmm. campaign digital or was it physical as well? My first campaign was for a print copy of the uh, first five chapters from my uh, webcomic, which is called Rainy Day Dreams. I don't remember if I said the name or not before. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think the biggest thing for like me is just kind of learning like how like how many people to expect. Um, I think like watching other people's kickstarters and like just having backed them before it's like really, I'm not sure the right word, but like the number of, like you expect there to be like, oh, there's gonna be like 200 people, but like 200 is really rare and you don't actually need that many people to like make a thing happen. Mm -hmm. So just kind of like 
being okay with smaller numbers, I guess, mm -hmm. but like still having that be an achievable goal. And like, that's all, that's good enough. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there is a, there, there, we, we set ourselves up sometimes for failures uh, mm -hmm. psychologically because yeah. we know that we need, let's say we need a thousand dollars to fulfill our project. And so we put up a thousand dollar goal and we raise $1,500 mm -hmm. and then we see someone else with a thousand dollar goal who raises 9,000 and has 600 backers to our 80. Yeah. And so we're like, oh, we failed because they made 9,000. I made 1,500. No, we made our goal. Yeah. It's a huge success. <laughs> and as long as I, you know, deliver it. And then you look mm -hmm. at the, the projects of that other one and you see that, Oh, that was their 13th campaign. Yeah. And their first campaign where they asked for a thousand dollars. Well, maybe they their first campaign they asked for six thousand and they failed. Yeah. Their second campaign they asked for a thousand <laughs> and they had 80 people. And then every campaign they built and built and built. So yeah, it is interesting. It's I think as long as the guests to your party have a good mm -hmm. time. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a small dinner party <laughs> or a rager. Yeah. Sometimes the small dinner parties are way better than the Ragers. Like yeah. nobody's couch gets broken. <laughs> Rarely, but if they do, that's the best dinner party ever. <laughs> if six yeah. people can break a couch, you know you had a good time. Well, um, how, how, uh, you know, to, to Mark and Mariah, how do you handle, you know, fulfillment? Because I know for, for me, and I'm fairly certain for Kevin, it's you're looking at the entire shipping department, right? <laughs> and the person that puts all the packages together. With, and with, with, with some spousal assist, that is correct. <laughs> yeah, I learned on the, you know, once again, like uh, my wife said, you can make a comic, you know, and then, uh, you know, it was, it was three, four months into this thing and, and I'm in my office and there's like a conference call and there's like 14 people, you like on the call and she's like, you know, so she was really, really stoked when boxes and boxes of comics showed up at the house because we have, you know, a, a, a sprawling, you know, thousand square foot, you know, footprint in our house. Um, so uh, what became abundantly clear to me was, um, you know, uh, we have a really good printer, Comics Wellspring. Um, and um, um, interesting with them is, is uh, they were, a, they're a subsidiary of their, it's family owned company, but they were doing other things besides comics. And comics is actually what they credit getting them through the pandemic. So as wow. other business needs went down, you know, during, during, uh, you know, the height of, of COVID, um, people were making and buying a lot of indie comic books and, um, that was a huge lifeline for them. And, you know, uh, it's nice with a company like that. Cause there's like four people, like mm -hmm. the, the person that handles shipping, her mom answers the phone. She's like the front desk, you know, so I'm like, Hey, Pam, can I talk to your daughter? You know, and like, it's <laughs> so, um, and yeah, they handle, they handle everything, um, on the fulfillment side. Um, because I've also learned that, uh, they can package books way better than me. Right. So, you know, the things that'll kill you is like, you know, um, stuff arriving damaged and things like that. And just having somebody to, to say, you know, call up and be like, Hey, you know, something, you know, something got bumped in the mail or something like that. 
we've actually haven't um we've had stuff got stolen off of people's porches mm. and stuff like that you know um um but even that like having somebody to like track all the shipping numbers and stuff like that and and be able to um just call up and and also know who you're getting on the on the other end of the line so you're not like put on the endless wait you know waiting music or something from some big <laughs> big company doesn't care about your order specifically right. i was wondering how you could do a campaign every eight weeks but if the printer is fulfilling it that is a huge that that's a huge load off of you that makes sense yeah and uh we uh uh, so batch three, we, we released, I believe too many books, you know, I think there was, um, uh, there was like seven or eight books, uh, in the, in the batch. And I think, you know, this one, you know, we're, it's, it's three books that we're focusing on. Um, one, I think that's a little easier to communicate, you know, like mm -hmm. it doesn't overload the audience. And what that also has helped do is, um, like really flatten like what the workload is because if you release all seven in one month and then you're like scrambling to also make books while also fulfilling while also trying to like mm -hmm. you know do promotion and all the things you need to do um but you know the tail end of that is you know you're sitting on books for longer and you know people want to see their stuff get released so you know mm -hmm. um handling some expectation management so people aren't disappointed um you know the, the creators aren't disappointed Ray, is that a relief to you that uh, you have someone else that's able to fulfill for you and your job is just to make a good comic? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, 100%. Uh, I, before meeting Mark and uh, working with LKC, I had started my own uh, a Kickstarter for Tank McGregor um, so that I could get it printed and it didn't make it. I, it was a failed Kickstarter. Um, I think I, I asked for like five grand. Um, and in retrospect, it was too much to ask. But like, I felt like it was, I would see other Kickstarters and they were like 10 grand. And this, and I look at the books and I'm like, well, my book has more pages than his and has better, yeah, better quality. Yeah. It's, I think five grand is right. And it's like, no, it wasn't right. You know, and mm. I have a huge family. But uh, not all of them came through. <laughs> a lot of them, a lot of them didn't know what Kickstarter was. Um, I would yeah. send them um, like, "Hey, this is my Kickstarter pledge. If you like, uh, et cetera, et cetera." And some people thought that that was the that the Kickstarter page was already the book, and they would respond like, "Oh, cool! I'm going to read it tonight." And I'm like, "No, like you don't get to read it until you pledge." Yeah, yeah. And then like, yeah. and, and then like, once it didn't make it, the Kickstarter uh, obviously no one got charged. But mm. a lot of my family don't know what how Kickstarter works. They thought they did get charged. They thought they paid for it. So they're like, "Hey, what happened to my money? Like, you yeah, my money. I haven't got anything. Like, no, you got your money back." It's like, no, I didn't. It's like, yes, you did. I... <laughs> and so I had to like fend off like family members at like uh, reunions and shit. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, that but, yeah, is no, that is rough. Relief. That that's yeah, yeah, rough no, but... having to educate people yeah. on it in, in that way. I thought everybody knew what it was. Uh, I, I assumed everyone knew what a Kickstarter was, but not everybody does. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, it's a huge relief because even when I failed, once I was like in day 20, whatever, the Kickstarter, I was starting to feel like the, oh crap, like I'm going to have to like fulfill these and it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to like, it's just me, et cetera, et cetera. So when it failed, yeah, it was a huge uh, blow to my ego and it sucked to fail, but a little part of me was kind of relieved. It's like, okay, I don't have to answer to any of these people. Um, I can just, uh, 
I can just print it myself now, you know, I'll pay to rid myself of that anxiety. Um, so when Mark offered what he offered, which is like, we're going to put it in a new Kickstarter with all these books and, you know, we're going to get rid of your inventory. I was just like, mm -hmm. awesome. I really can just focus on art. And this way, actually, it actually incentivizes me and it, it, um, it, it motivates me to actually want to do more for, mm -hmm. to help him. I don't want to just sit back and like, see what happens, you know, in Kickstarter and like, look at the numbers, but like be completely passive. No, I'm yeah. constantly, I mean, I, I message everybody in my old Kickstarter. I, I, I post, I, I try to help in any way I can that I know how to. Right. Um, and hopefully it's been, uh, it's made some difference. Uh, Mata just says that uh, I've had friends who thought Kickstarter was a charity and they were like, I'll pick up a book after the campaign, rest <laughs> in peace. Which, you know, I think that when people are ignorant, the, the closest thing that they know about it is GoFundMe. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a very similar and completely different uh, mindset, everything about Everything about it is different, but they're interchangeable in a lot of people's minds. Um, it's a lot of people are, are like, I'll donate to this. I'm like, you're not donating. And I, I like cut it off right at the beginning. Yeah. You're not donating. You're pre-ordering. Well, what do you, what's the difference? Well, the difference is I made a book. You're buying it. And it, this is not a charity. This is not a donation. You're getting something from it. Now, part of what you're getting is ownership of making it happen. And, you know, like you're part of the team now, but no, you're not, you're not, um, you're not donating and I'm not begging. I'm, I've made a great book and you're, you're going to help make it exist. So we're on the same team, but it is, you have to educate everybody one by one. Uh, you know, I had a family member uh, who joked after my first campaign that they wished they could beg for $10,000 on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's the thing that's so rough about kickstarters too is that usually like you might get ten thousand, but like most of that's going to making the thing like it's not like mm -hmm. it goes in your pocket <laughs> yeah well, how was your first uh your first kickstarter you you had some physical stuff that you had to fulfill yeah. so i mean it's kind of a slog but it's also kind of cool right yeah, no, I, I love that I have a printed copy of my thing that I can just mm. pull off the shelf and like look at for reference when I'm making a, a chapter that's <laughs> six years down the road <laughs> instead of having to flip through all my digital files. Yeah, I um, yeah, it was that campaign. It was definitely challenging, like more challenging emotionally just because I didn't have the like immediately. Oh, it's funded that I did with this one. Um, it was very much like a slow slog till the end and I didn't get like a project we love on it. And, but like, it was yeah. my first one. So I try not to take it too personally, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I fulfilled everything myself too. Like I, my, uh, husband also like does Kickstarters, but he's in more of the tabletop RPG world. Mm -hmm. Like anybody out there watching, if you know, spell the RPG or fight item run, <laughs> That's my husband. <laughs> and I helped pack your books that you got. <laughs> Spouse, spousal assist for the win. All right. As long as he pays you back. Yeah. When, yeah. when this one goes physical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. Now he was like, should I go back your Kickstarter? I was like, it's funded. You don't have to. I guess if you want, but. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, my, my mom is really cute. She finally figured out how to do it. So, you know, like, <laughs> I think it was my ninth campaign that, that I saw Helen Joseph on it. I was like, oh, my God, this is, I'm big time. My mom backed. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can always count on, yeah, on, on Pam Bernal, you know, Pammy B to, to, to come in. Yeah, at least, yeah. At least kick down I, a few bucks. I think if moms can figure it out, moms will help. But I, de I definitely mom didn't figure it out for a long time <laughs> yeah. luckily my mom knew how to back she just doesn't know how to share necessarily she very much is like i want to show my daughter's art on my social media but oh yeah this is a yeah <laughs> she like inadvertently becomes an art thief because she'll take like the picture but not the link I'm like mom yeah. you need to share the link they can't put the picture that's so cute <laughs> so i i have to ask just for shits and giggles um what are the conversations about the uh um content of this book with mom my my mom is is great. Uh, she knows what I'm doing. I don't know that she's visited the page yet, um, but I <laughs> she's the kind of mom that like follows your social media and like likes things every now and then, even though you're like, mom, you don't need to be doing this. <laughs> so, like, I have um like she knows that I make spicy art like I, I have for several years. So like it wasn't like a pull out the rug from under my mother kind of situation. Right. Um, she's just, she, she's great. She's so supportive. She's like, I'm so glad that you're just out there creating things and then sharing them. Like, I don't, I don't care that you don't have a publishing deal or anything. Like, it's just so cool yeah. that you actually made a thing. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. She's a great mom. <laughs> All right. Um, well, it is two, two, two. Oh no, we, we still got time. We got time. <laughs> No, it's no, I my eyes are going bad. It's eleven fifty-seven. I thought it was eleven thirty-seven. I was like, man, time. I've been having fun, but geez. Um it's about midnight. So uh that's usually when we we try to start wrapping up. Uh Will and I are gonna go over the campaigns that have already uh been on the show um but before we do it we did have a cancellation tonight for the keisha demon hunter mm -hmm. campaign um hopefully we're going to be able to reschedule uh uh nate for next week um but i did want to uh tell everybody yeah uh, a newton i'm sorry nate was last week uh yeah. Uh, Newton hopefully can come back, uh, had a, a scheduling situation tonight, but Keisha Demon Hunter Volume 1, uh, please check out that campaign. The art looks extraordinary. Uh, it's uh, taken from an African, from African folklore uh, and just seems like a hell of a cool uh, campaign to check out. So hopefully we'll get to talk about that next week. But if not, uh, Keisha Demon Hunter Volume 1, uh, please check it out uh, because it was just a, a scheduling snafu. Um, so let's do one more 30-second pitch on both campaigns. And then Will and I are going to talk about the campaigns that we've talked about. You can hang with us uh, or you can uh, give us the double deuce as, as uh, <laughs> Ray's going to do when he gets his next uh, contract. And uh, have a good night. So, uh, Ray, let's do one specific to Tank McGregor and then we'll, we'll do the, the full lesser known with Mark. Okay, yeah, Tank McGregor. He's an intergalactic bounty hunter who is down on his luck when we meet him. 
uh, and until he finds, I mean, until he gets uh, an assignment to go hunt down a an escaped pleasure bot who has recently gone sentient. Um, it's an awesome book, sci-fi, action, comedy. If you're a fan of movies from the late 80s, 90s, it's got a lot of that. It's got a lot of like nonsensical one-liners. It's very irreverent. Um, it's a nice little uh, doorway into my brain and my sense of humor. Uh, and uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a good time. Nice. All right. So Death Wish and Good Night, Mark. Uh, what, give us a, a quick window into those two. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Death Wish is, um, you know, I guess a Mad Max uh, meets Speed Racer, you know, type of type of adventure. Um, and really for people who um, it, it's it's got a definite punk rock feel, like even to the point where, um, you know, uh, Kieran does everything by hand, uh, or not, you know, on, on traditional art. And even on his 11 by 17s, we even keep like the borders where you can actually see the no, no, uh, non-photocopy blue like bleed through a little bit uh, just because I just didn't have the heart to crop anything out of what he's done. If he draws it, we're printing it. Like, I don't, I don't care, you know? And then uh, Franco Luna with Goodnight, you know, you just, um, you know, th this was just an exercise of him being like, how can I scare people without any words? Um, do it in black and white. And uh, I think um, you know, uh, and did an amazing job. So, um, you know, both those books, we, we put them all in a batch so you can get, you know, all three together, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, we try and make a curated collection of indie comics for you to go, you know, pick up in a, in a batch. No, nah, it's super cool what you're doing. Uh, Mariah, before you go, uh, Shawnee says that, uh, oh, your mom sounds fantastic. So we've got to give mom a shout out from yeah. Shawnee. Thank you, mom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell her that's what you said. No, that's, that's, that's great. It's nice to have that support. You know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a cool thing. My mm -hmm. mom just kind of appreciates that I'm doing it and doesn't understand at all. <laughs> um, so I'd say she's on the road to your mom, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but definitely doesn't get it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so if, if other moms were walking past your booth, how would you get their attention? <laughs> Oh God! If other moms were watching, <laughs> hey, hey, listen. Okay, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be moms if they weren't okay with some sexual activity, right? <laughs> so yeah, I guess I would tell those other moms that um, I make this sexy vampire comic. It's about uh, Matilde, who's a young woman trying to take back her bodily autonomy uh, and like figure out what she wants to do with her life through sexy adventures. A lot of them are through are with uh, Norman, who is a norm a morally gray nasty man, yeah. <laughs> who's got weird uncle energy and loud shirts and a lewd tongue. Um, <laughs> and then some of the things that my friends have said about it are: it's funny, cute, sexy, and you'll totally dig it. And mm -hmm. it's got everyone's favorite stuff: romance, vampires, and awkward goofballs. <laughs> nice. uh, before we let you go, Mata asks: Is your mom looking to adopt? <laughs> Probably. She honestly adopts like so many people. <laughs> those, those are the moms we need in the world. Yeah. <laughs> that will we'll come out and, and allow others in. All right. So we're going to talk about the other campaigns. Like I said, you are, are welcome to hang with us, especially if you know the other campaigns. Uh, there's just a couple on here. Uh, the first is ending in what, two days? Well, I think it's, it's ending three. Soon. Um, 
let me reload the page. Yeah. House of Fear is a um, not necessarily all ages, but um, horror for younger readers, uh, probably depending on the kid in your life, somewhere between third to sixth grade is a, the right time, depending on the kid. Uh, but it is horror. So as James says, uh, it doesn't always end well for the characters in it. So if you if you need your kids to have a happy ending, this is not your book. Um, but if there's not a happy ending, he says there's usually uh, the, the kids probably had it coming. So there's a little bit of moral to the story. Um, but I think we need to introduce kids to horror because if we don't introduce kids to horror, we're not going to get horror fans who are teens or horror fans who are adults. So we need to uh, books like this need to exist so that we can get you know give kids the safe uh terror and then and then they can go to michael myers later on <laughs> uh, yeah it's got uh, three days left and uh we uh, i think james is is closing in on funded but he's not funded yet so uh any love that you can give it would be yeah a little bit to go but uh over 50 percent and mm -hmm. um kickstarter math says he's gonna make it so yeah. uh he'll make it faster if you guys can back uh sooner so go check that out and um Mata was with us, uh, so we're going right. to talk wax poetically <laughs> about Sacrimony, her unique and awesome fantasy world where uh, a girl died, but she got better. Uh, and has, has bat wings. It has bat Wait, wings. Is no there a memory. horse? Is there a horse? I thought I remember we talked about a horse, right? There's something in the stables <laughs> coming up, but I don't know if it's in the there's book. Goats. There's this, this, yeah, there's this fabled stable uh interaction uh that has come up multiple times so i haven't read it in the first three issues so i don't know if it's in four but it's fun it's irreverent it's unique uh she says she's been thinking about these characters since she was 12 and it has that real fully realized lived in fantasy of someone who's been thinking about a world and characters since they were 12 and, and a it's lot not of your fun. typical you know tolkien fantasy or uh, no horses. <laughs> no horses. Only, only goats. goats. <laughs> we heard it. We heard it from the uh, from the source. No horses, only goats. It feels like a commercial, but I don't know what they'd be selling. <laughs> no horses, only goats. No horses. Um, but Sacramony is awesome. Uh, yep, absolutely. Definitely check check that out. Got a little bit more time on sac Sacramony. Mm -hmm. um, Oh, punk, that yeah, I said Nate earlier. Um, uh, punk Rock Ninja is just a really cute, this is all ages, uh, about a uh, bass player who gets their bass taken and has to go fight robots and evil corporations to get it back. Really uh, just vibrant, cool, fun art. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely seems like a fun, cool book and uh, worth checking out. And I think the final one that we've talked about that's still alive is um, the Turner Family Terrors. Mm -hmm. um, the Kickstarter banner that we have is Kickstarter slash project slash Robert K-R-I-S-C-H slash T-F-T-3. So that's a little, uh, uh, I would just go to Kickstarter and put in Turner Family Terrors. Mm -hmm. um, but um uh, you want to take this one up because I'm having a uh, a brain freeze. A brain uh, freeze. Well. <laughs> I know um, it's comedy. It is. It is. Well, it's uh, it's comedy. It's 
a little bit of horror and I'm trying to remember too the uh, the I, the setup is they go they're monster hunters is that right? So it's a new comic starring monster slaying foul mouthed bumbling adventurers the Turner <laughs> family think the Simpsons meets Hellboy, which I just mm. remembered. Um, yeah, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ray. So their their inspiration is Hellboy. So you've got you've got the uh, your sympathetic on that one. Um, nice. No, Robert's a great dude. I hope his kid's uh, baseball team is still winning. Right. Uh, we should have made him call in with a, with a score. Uh, baseball update. <laughs> um, so um, Matta did say it's fucking hilarious. I don't know what she said about uh, is, but we're going to say that all of the funny books are fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I want to thank you guys for joining us. It was a pleasure to meet everybody except for Will. I, I know that guy. But um, <laughs> thank you guys so much for giving us your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Please reach out when you've got something else coming on. We'd love to have you coming back. Absolutely. We try to do this every yeah. Friday night. And uh, people in the comments, you make it worth doing every Friday night. So everybody who commented, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Tate was the first time we met you. I hope you come back. I am guessing you are here for Mariah, and I appreciate that. But uh, <laughs> if you've got next Friday free, we'll be here. So um and you can make sure that we do uh, do uh, the usual the usual haunts justice when we talk about it at the end <laughs> of the show. Um, guys, thank you and have a great night. Yep. Thanks Thank again. You. Good See night, you. everyone. Thanks. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg, but their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're gonna get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now.